And three, two. Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of August 19, 2013. This is episode 205, correct? Uh, 203. What? We're doing, we, well, we have 204? How do we get two off? Well, we did 203 and then we had, it, we had a glitch. Right. So, but why is this two off then? Is that, what does it say? What does 205. the say? That's not what? right. What's that? Let me make sure. What the hell's going on here? Oh my God. Who's running this show? What is up? <laughs> God. 204. Seriously. It should be, but since we have to redo 203, it's... We have to redo 204. No, I think it's 203. 203 is... I'm looking right on my iTunes <laughs> right now. Okay. It's pandemonium. 203 Shushman Burrito. Oh, yeah. Okay. I forgot about that. All right. One. That was a good show, too, guys. Good one. We well, some- thanks for joining us. That's the end of our show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've established this is episode 204. <laughs> this is Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, with the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. My... Fellow conversationalist in that little uh, Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. Robert Prevo, senior account director at Interval. So a little backstory: we we were recording episode two hundred four over. That's why there was confusion because Correct. we recorded it before, and we had one of those rare instances where there was static over everything. Yes, so we couldn't. We couldn't it. use it. You could listen to it, but you would probably. I couldn't even listen to it for more than about 30 seconds before I was like, I can't handle it. What's unfortunate is it was one of the better episodes. It was a good show. It was really it was good. really good. And we Sorry. decided to spare our, our listeners of the, uh, <laughs> the madness. No, it's too bad. But we're not going to try to replicate. We're going to create our own good show. Yes. Today. Um, I also have, I have to go back and revisit 203 for a second. But first, some updates. Don't forget to see us at Shushmed. Stop in and say it's at Shushmed. We'll that would like, be swell. We're like right in those front doors when you come in. You can't miss us. We are. We're going to be podcasting live from our Shushmed exhibit. That's going to rock and roll. Uh, send us your biggest pain points that you're dealing with because we're going to address those while we're there. We hope to have guest speakers, not hope to, will have guest speakers. Uh, we also might pull you out of the crowd if you want to join us. So let us know if you're going, and we'd love to line you up. Of course, yes. we're having branding at the bar on Monday night, social event of the season, and I will be speaking Tuesday morning with Melissa Tizon on branding your healthcare venture. So we're all over Shushman. Like I think last time I said stink on a pig, white on rice, white on rice. So we'll st- we'll we'll keep that. I think Jackie said stink on a pig, and then no, you were disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go back and. This happens, I'm going to say, like two or three times a year where I go off on a rant on something and then afterwards I realize something triggered me and probably some of my basic points were good. But now I regret (laughs) the the general direction of the rant. Um, And I believe it was the last episode where Robert, you and I, and was it Jackie, talked about HelloFlow and Shave. Dollar Shave Club. Right. And I was just, I was adamant that I didn't understand the need to priority or razors. I still don't. But overall, the idea in this day and age, and this comes maybe because I read the cover story on Fast Company about Amazon, the ability to basically have everything delivered to your doorstep yeah. actually is a pretty powerful 
Teal. It is. And we had some comments on the website too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I forget. It was, Someone had commented about a di- diaper delivery, which is that yeah, was a tweet. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, guess I know Amazon. I can't remember when they introduced it, but it wasn't too long ago. They introduced basically a subscription service to almost anything. Right. So anything that you so like when I used to have an addiction to Java Monster, I had briefly <laughs> considered, which is an energy drink, just doing an Amazon subscription. So they would deliver like a you know, a couple, like a pallet of it to my door every couple of weeks. They bought diapers.com. Amazon did. Who was the leader yep. in that? I guess what, where I'm, where I'm a little confused is I would understand diapers, especially I think the person who, who commented said she had, was the mother of twins. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't want to run out of diapers or beverage um, of some but sort. But there's also a, there's a physical convenience to having diapers brought to your oh, I know. door or, or <laughs> bottles of wine, like a case of wine mm-hmm. or, Maybe a case of Mon- Java See, monster. Th- I think there's a little bit of a difference, though, between like if, if I were subscri- to subscribe to a wine club, it'd be I would be doing it for probably a slightly different reason than like diapers. Diapers are something that can't do without. Don't give me don't. I don't want to be surprised by a new brand of diapers every week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to order it, and you're going to give me the diapers that don't give my kid a rash, that fit, that don't let diarrhea blow out into the bed in the middle of the night. <laughs> These I want the specific diapers. Well, why Whereas, can't you get that from Target? Well, I'm saying. Well, I can, but I'm saying that the difference between like diapers and wine being delivered is that if I were to join, if I were to join like a wine club. The reason I would do that would most likely to be so that you so that somebody who knew, knew something about wine could send me new wines to try every yeah. month. So it's a little bit of a different experience. It's like, yeah, right, I will ha- right. I will have wine to drink, but I'm doing it to get new wine. So kind of like the, the Stitch Fix thing that Jackie is that's what it was called Stitch Fix. Yep, yep. That was I mean part of that was that you get you get clothes, but you're getting to try new stuff, things that you might not have picked out, but somebody else that thinks you might like. Right, but I, and I think either. Either path, there it's all about simplifying your life. I mean, you only have right. so much time, so much energy, and whether you're looking to try new things or just those, you know, Staple. get those things that are automated, yeah. those staples. Um, just making it so you know, I don't have to think about it. I, I, but see, here's where I get stuck. Still, I, again, let's separate out the exploration surprise part, and this is necessity, which is supposed to be Dollar Shave Club, mm-hmm. supposed to be Hello Flow, supposed yep. to be the diapers. I get the diapers because they're big and bulky, and you just do not want to run out of diapers. Right. Right. Um, you probably don't want to run out of tampons either. I but at some not. point, what, are you going to have everything delivered to you distinctly? Maybe. Yeah, I don't want to run out of milk. People have milk delivered. I don't want to run out of deodorant. I don't want to run out of, like, a hundred things. So now now I'm going to separately have a hundred different things delivered to me. I, I That's where I, I'm like, I can see one or two, but... I can't carry that across everything. Otherwise, what the hell is that? That would be really inconvenient. Now you're dealing with a hundred different ordering places. Right. Well, I think the trick is to find that, find the the catch to make it an experience rather than just you're getting your thing. Well, diapers isn't, there's no experience. in that. No, but, but the point there is the experience is you're getting rid of that bulk. You're right. You're not going to target and picking up that big ass box of diapers. You're just, somebody's just going to bring it to you. So that's a convenience, right? It's a convenience thing. Um, whereas the, the, I think the, the, one of the little things with like the hello flow was that there was actually like, so here's your stuff. And there's like, there was like chocolates or so. So it was kind of like, there was a, a treat element to it. So there was a little catch dollar shave club. I, I, for me, it's hard to relate only because I don't, unlike you guys who are, were actually born in genetically with facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I would look like, you know, the, those terrorists that can barely grow any, but they let the <laughs> facial hair grow. 
you know, because they have to. So that's terrorists. That, I would. That's how I would look because I just I have like I don't grow. I don't have. I'm not. I wasn't born into a hairy line of men. And there is the show title. I think. <laughs> so I. So for me, it's like I don't under. I I have an electric razor. Can use it really quick every morning. I don't have to have you know multi blade razors and shaving cream. That said, I I do listen to some po- some podcasts where the the tech shows where there are hosts who are kind of snobs in certain areas of their life, and I use that as an endearing term. Some really like coffee, and some were kind of snobs about the shaving experience. And I think maybe that's where this club is also going. It's supposed to be right. kind of giving you a new experience and saying, hey, shaving doesn't have to be like a pain in the ass. It can be. Right. Not so inconvenient. Here's the right way to do it. Here are the right tools to do it. Right. Um, and I, I guess I mean, it can make a difference. I yeah. don't know. And, I, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not signed up on Dollar Shave Club, but I do like my Mach 3 turbos. I like <laughs> That's the, I like the uh, you know, the, the good blades and disposables, like, no way. They carve me up, yeah. you know? And so for me, it's like I can appreciate that and in getting those razors on a regular basis so i i just that's where i draw the line but i think <laughs> we it's also, should, go but, ahead. but it's also like you know we do grocery delivery and, it, and right. that's yeah. even expanded to where you know we can get our paper towels toilet yep. paper it's yep. beyond just groceries and i think to your point adam it's it's about those it's a convenience because you know my wife doesn't have to lug all the you know bags of milk and bulky items it's just it's delivered well that i'm all for that all for that. What I don't understand is then, okay, now you you know you can get everything we've talked about in that format. Mm-hmm. Why are the diapers separate? Why are the razors separate? Why is the tampon separate? Well, where do you draw the line? I, you know, you could order everything separate if you wanted. Mm-hmm. I get the difference in diapers because it's bulky. I get the difference in tampons or diapers because it's urgent and you don't want to run out. I don't get it in razors, but we should probably yeah. drop it or anything else. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, the key is to figure out those things that work. Because, I mean, the person who says, I'm going to deliver you bulk Twizzlers every you know month probably is going to fail from a business perspective. You know, that's probably not a sustainable business model. Sure. All right. We still have audience members <laughs> after that. A <laughs> uh, few things. We want to talk about apps and content marketing. So there was a blog post uh, that is a Q&A with BuzzFeed president John Steinberg. Um, and John Perrett. What's Jonah, that? Jonah Peretti, right? Uh, BuzzFeed CEO Jonah Peretti. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm looking at the wrong article. <laughs> Q&A with BuzzFeed President John Steinberg. This is, well, the, the article is, is this the future of content marketing? Right. We spoke to John Steinberg about what it takes to really roll out viral content while serving the brands that power the platform. Uh, BuzzFeed CEO Jonah Peretti has said that yes. what the heck happened? <laughs> What's I'm going on? Sure. Who did they talk to? Well, where are you? See- oh, look Q- at the top. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. with BuzzFeed President no, John Steinberg. Yeah, I, I glossed right over the graphic. I mean, I, I stared at the kittens for a few minutes, but um, okay, right, well, there's a president well, and a CEO. So there's yeah, different people. So that's, yeah, well, Who the hell are we talking one to? One is the interviewer, and one is the interviewee. Oh apparently. my gosh! Well, this has just completely lost me now. Anyway, so BuzzFeed was actually, I think the episode that got killed was where we talked about our favorite websites. We and did. BuzzFeed yeah, was yeah. in that list. Yep. Um, so this article talks in general about how BuzzFeed makes its money, which is, if you're not familiar with BuzzFeed, it's basically an aggregator uh, of content from around the internet. But it packages it in a way, and it's got a certain brand 
of what it talks about. There is a news section, but most of it is like, you know, it's numbers. Everything's like numbers. Like a lot of lists. A lot of lists list 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 kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. But there's really fun stuff in there, right? So they make money by by taking mm-hmm. that same packaging service and going to brands and saying, hey, you want to sell a Toyota hybrid? What if we came up with a, an article or a post that was 10 awesome hybrid animals, like the tiger plus the lion is the liger or whatever? And then it's sponsored by Toyota Hybrid. So it's helping these brands use content marketing to get their name out and connect with people. Right. Uh, and, and so they talk about how that's, that's their business model. Um, so from there, I'm a little confused about what else this is about. So the title is, is this the future of content marketing? I don't know what this in this, what that means. Well, I think their, their approach to content marketing, because I think the, one of the keys you can take away from the article is that uh, in their approach to content marketing isn't, isn't just let's put out great content, because you can put out great content. I mean, almost anybody who knows a lot about something and can write well um, can put out great content. Um, but one of the keys is really putting out content that has that, uh, you know, the, 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 the potential um, to go viral or kind of making, making and that might even be the wrong word because I don't think something necessarily needs to go viral to be quote unquote successful. Right. Uh, it's, it's, they, they have almost, they have perfected the science of, of make, of, of approaching content marketing from the standpoint of making content or creating content that's really designed to be shared, I would say. As opposed right. to just saying going viral, so that I think that's really kind of what the article gets to, and he, and that's what they talk about and their successes with it, um, how they're taking that kind of the, to the next level in terms of their business partners and their sponsors, um, and and the, just people their clients that they work with. Um, so it's it's interesting from that perspective because I think that a lot of times um, when we talk about content marketing, and not when I, I say we, I mean as an industry of healthcare marketers, um, you know, I don't think we focus enough on. On that end of it, are we are we cre- we're creating great content, stuff that helps people, but are we actually approaching it from the perspective of making content that is created to be shared? Because ultimately, that's really you know that's it's important in this day and yeah. age. If you want you, if you want that content to get out there, it's got to be created to be shared. Right. I think and, there's the there's the shareability, and then there's also the um, connecting to existing content and kind of pulling that all together. Because again, in in, in our industry, it's so much of this information is out there and it's kind of thinking about, okay, what already exists? Do we need to recreate it just, just because, and a lot of times I don't know that that's necessary. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really depends. I mean, if, if you're, if your content is a library of Adam content, that is by definition content that was not designed to be shared. I mean, that's, right. you got to figure out how, how can you take that content and, and put it out there in a way, um, that makes it approachable because that's certainly not approachable. That's the kind of stuff that if you, you know, if you were just diagnosed with some odd condition, you might end up on an, on an Adam page and it's, it's good because now you want the details. You kind of want the nitty gritty. You got to mm-hmm. deal with this. I want to know right. about it. Um, but that's not, you know, from a content marketing perspective, you're, those aren't the people you're after. You're not after the people who are, you know, necessarily searching for the details of something they've just been diagnosed with. I mean, in some cases you may be, but it's really about reaching kind of a broad audience with things that, where you're bringing content to them that they may not otherwise have, have even paid attention to. And now you're making them aware of things, you're bringing value, you're making that brand connection. Um, you know. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a good article from that perspective. Because again, so, I think it's something we don't focus on as an industry enough. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's, that's, that's a really great point. What, what's interesting to me is I've just learned about BuzzFeed maybe two weeks ago, and I'm already 
slightly addicted to it. I mean, I, <laughs> there are certain websites that when I'm bored, I go to. Right. The Atlantic was one of them because yep. they have great content. Yep. Um, you know, my local like Star Tribune, but BuzzFeed and Dig are now. Dig ah. was something that came up recently. So now both of those are right up there, right? Yeah. Entertainment Weekly is another one. What's interesting to me is I'm trying to figure out what a what it is about BuzzFeed because obviously they've created some kind of secret sauce right. that makes me want to come back here because when you break it down, I, you know, like they're, they're, they have like a, a news section. Well, that's no different than CNN other than it's more visually, you know, the visual is bigger than the headline. But, you know, Obama condemns Egypt violence. That's – I can find that anywhere. Right. So it's not that. Um, and, and I've been on record as saying how much I hate, 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 hate lists. I tend to hate them more when they're advice lists. Right. Because they were just – they just exploded in nuclear fashion about three years ago. And they're usually – Twitter. So, like – Trite. Trite. And like right. Brain. It's like if you don't know this – <laughs> about this list, you probably shouldn't right. even be working. 50, 50 ways to use Twitter to promote your hospital right. makes me want to jump off a cliff. <laughs> but 21 Instagrams to follow if you want to travel the world. Right. Now we're talking about things that are trite by nature. And so you're not trying to give me advice. You're just, there's, I don't know if it's the lists. Um, one thing as I'm just looking at BuzzFeed, uh, there are, I don't know how to put this. There's a word for it. It's escaping me. They're, they try to be very explicit in their headlines and connecting to a, certain what's the word i'm looking for affinity so an affinity that you might have for a movie or a tv show right. or a celebrity or a way of thinking so like when i saw um there's one i read today oh, 21 breaking bad easter eggs that will blow your mind huge breaking bad fan so boom i read that thing right so right away i mean now there's probably a hundred other things on buzzfeed that i wouldn't but there's enough on there. It keeps me coming back. So it'd be interesting to know. And then they take that secret sauce, and that's what they are selling to, to brands. And, and they make it clear, not that clear, but clear enough on their site, the posts that are brand-supported are colored different, and they say presented by Virgin Mobile. Right. But you know what? This is why it works. It almost doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean – I mean, what I love about BuzzFeed is it's so approachable. I mean, it's written as though it's it's very just like if you were just talking with a friend about something. You know, it's not it's not like a newspaper article. You know, it's written in a certain style. It's just it's yeah, it's approachable. So, really interesting article. I mean, we'll post it. It's it's less about their business model. At least the the the, what, the takeaway for our audience is less about their business model, how they make that work, and more about what Adam's talking about that. You know, we're huge advocates of content marketing primarily because we think that's a better way to connect with people in a relevant fashion based on what hospitals and health systems do as opposed to promotional marketing. Right. Uh, but there are things about content marketing that are givens. Uh, and obviously, the, the content has to be good, it has to be proprietary, and shareables right up there. Those are some of the, I mean, good is, seems so obvious, but. Yeah, not well, that it's always yeah. pursuit. Right, right, right. Well, and and it's compelling, and it's, and it's a subjective term. Yeah, because you know what's good to one person is not good to another. So you really need to look for examples like BuzzFeed to define, you know, or how are you going to define good? 
is does good mean it's good to you or does good mean it's created to drive traffic and the kind of traffic that you want to your site? That's that really is how we have to look at the definition of a word like that. Remove the subjectivity and give it some some solid ground. And my guess is BuzzFeed did not stumble on this and just my guess is they tested this over and over and over again, finding what wording exactly works right. Uh, And I think I read this about somewhere, Dig or somebody they, they're testing this constantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, that's something that you can do too. You know, maybe using a doctor's name in your headline proves to be compelling because people feel like, who is that? That's an actual person. That that makes it more compelling. I, I don't know the answer to that. It, it depends on your brand. It depends on your market. It depends on your message, all of that. But you can, you can test this out over time in your content marketing mm-hmm. strategy. So good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, second topic. How are we doing on time, Adam? Uh, we're good. We got about ten minutes. Not quite. Okay. So the second one is uh, apps. We've got a couple of stories here. One in particular I want to talk about, and then we have some apps that we want to share. Um, they don't have to be healthcare apps, but I think it'd be good for us to talk about what we like in our apps. Um, but this is a story that was on USA Today, and it talks about mobile health apps, and it, it kind of compares them to Weight Watchers. And the main takeaway is that while health apps are exploding, Weight Watchers, in contrast, is struggling. And I found it very interesting because uh, I won't read the whole thing. We'll, we'll provide a post to it. But it felt to me like there's a little bit of disconnect in that comparison. And hopefully I can explain what I mean. So here's, um, <clears throat> here's some statistics. Uh, where was it? I've lost it. I've lost it. I've lost it. In the past few years, free health mobile apps have become increasingly popular across the country. Uh, the number of available health apps has almost doubled in the past two years, uh, says somebody who's resourced here. And this speaks to what we hear from a lot of people, like, well, why should we create our own app? We're having to compete with all this other stuff. And I think the Weight Watchers example will help explain why. This new industry has put Weight Watchers in a tough position. In addition to the company's lower sign-up rate, Weight Watchers shares fell 19% last week. The company has also experienced an approximately 16% de- decrease in second quarter earnings for fiscal year 2013. Quote, we feel that some of that is driven by the continued sudden explosion, which I think is an oxymoron, <laughs> continued sudden explosion of interest in free apps and activity monitors, Nicholas Hodgkin, Weight Watchers chief financial officer, said, during an earnings conference call last week. So it says Weight Watchers and mobile apps have similar goals, getting people to become more aware of what they're eating and keeping tabs throughout the day. So we had a good conversation about this beforehand. I think to me the difference here is Weight Watchers, it's probably un, undoubted that that the explosion, and the sudden explosion, sudden continued explosion <laughs> in health apps would ding you to some extent. Right. But your offering is completely different. Right. And this is where hospitals have to keep this in mind. Weight Watchers offering is not about the app. The app right. is a way to fulfill your offering. Mm-hmm. Their offering is about, in their mind, well, I don't know if I believe this, but in their mind, a proven system for losing weight that includes uh, expert support and advice, a point system. It's packaged. Like a meal, isn't there like a meal plan? There's you a can, meal you plan. Can buy, like, you can get meals yes. from yeah. them. It's a package program. Right. That has, I assume, is part of it now, though they didn't for a long time, an app to support that, right? That is utterly different than something like MyFitnessPal, 
Right. Right. Which is an app with nothing. Period. You're on your own. Right. And there are going to be lots of people. More people are going to want that than they are Weight Watchers. Mm -hmm. But Weight Watchers shouldn't compare that as apples to apples and say, well, we're competing against my fitness pal. You're not. You're competing against Jenny Craig. They're still around. Or other programs. They're actually competing more with your hospital. Right, because that's what you should be creating as a hospital is a package program, an experience, an experience that's based on your brand, your expertise, your localness, all of that, and the technology just supports it. Right, and so and, 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 I mean, really, for even for hospital, I mean, it doesn't even necessarily mean you need to create something that is your tool that you know enhances the experience i mean in that case you can leverage a lot of these tools that are out there to become a part of your experience you know something people are already using you know consider adding that um you know there are certainly going to be cases where you're going to want to consider building something too if it enhances Mm -hmm. your experience but there might be something out there that's going to do that job for you so no i totally agree i mean weight watchers is, is so much more than an app um, certainly these tools give people an easy way to kind of dip their toes into the fitness water because it costs them nothing and it does give them a valuable right. resource um, that they can manage on their own and maybe they don't need to rely on you know Jenny Craig or, or Weight Watchers to, to, to do that management portion. But I think a lot of people are going to get to the point where, you know, and I say this from experience, where you know, I can only do so much myself. Even mm-hmm. with, you can give me all the tools in the world you know, that are apps and books, whatever, I can only do so much myself with that information. I'm going to hit a point if I'm serious about something that I'm going to want, you know, most likely another human being to consult with me on some level. Um, and, and, and hopefully that's a good experience um, that, that I want to keep going back to. You know, if it's not, then hell, I'll just keep using the app. Yeah, I mean, I see these two audiences. I mean, they're so different. I mean, people who want a little bit of help, I mean, you're getting functionality from an app. You know, one, one that I like is Map My Run. And helps me with what I want to do in terms of, you know, how, what kind of workout I'm getting, how far I'm going. When I think of Weight Watchers, I mean, that's, that's a whole different mindset. That's someone who's in a different place who has a very specific goal, losing weight. And I just think to, there's going to be some impact on kind of their performance and people going to these, but I, they're still pretty distinct yeah. groups. And I think in the long run, I mean, Weight Watchers could very well see a, an increase in business once the once the this interest boom or this continued explosion you know <laughs> dies down cuz you know right now fitness apps the world of apps is still fresh and, and new for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been about what five years now since the iPhone came out. So, and the first one didn't have apps like like this. You could only you couldn't build them the way you can now. So, I'd say what probably three to four years yeah. that apps have been apps like they, like, like we know them now. Um, so it's really there's there's still just the whole experience of dabbling in apps period and seeing what works in your life whether it's for wellness whether it's for social networking whether it's for photography you know smash a bunch of those together which a lot of the apps do. Um, as as this this hype around apps starts to kind of settle down a little bit and people really identify what it is that they need to, to simplify life and makes things easier, um, I, you know I think people are going to see that you know I'm not into the fitness apps they're not working for me but I do need to be fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in the long run, I think it, it could be lessons learned, and you know, two or three years down the road here, Weight Watchers might see a a boom in business because there are people who are like, app isn't cutting it for me here. I need mm-hmm. I need the real thing. You know, I need help from, pe- right. from people. And all of a sudden, you've got an influx. So hopefully, they don't like shutter the doors because you know, <laughs> because they're not making money. I hope they've got a business model that can can sustain for a couple of years. Because hell, 
they might start to see a, a continuous explosion of their own business. <laughs> well, they make um, they make that. a point of that at the end. I mean, that again, the guy seems kind of like a little bit head in the sand. The CFO during the call, Hodgkin described mobile health apps as quote a temporary phenomenon unquote because the science behind our program, which he says has pr- because of the science behind our program, which he says has proved that Weight Watchers work. So I'm not sure exactly what he means, but he seems to be like dismissive of it a little bit. Um, the next guy who's quoted in here somewhere, Lee, I don't know who Lee is. Lee says health apps are extreme, but, but Lee says health apps are extremely effective and will only improve as mobile technology evolves. The capabilities are increased over time. We will be doing more and more to help users be successful. But that doesn't mean that one will replace. I don't think it has to mean that one replaces the other. I mean, right. I, I have to manage my exercise and my eating because of type 2 diabetes. I used... I use my fitness pal now and I use lose it before. There's no way I can use those without support. Right. I can't. I don't right. know what my targets are supposed to be. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what to eat and what not to eat. Right. If my healthcare provider had a, a packaged content marketing program around that, that's going to be far more valuable to me right. than just a tool. Right. Right. And so to me, to your point, Adam, I think Weight Watchers should be like what we should partner with my mm-hmm. fitness pal. We should we should say in there, hey, if this isn't working for you, you should check out our program. Take the next step. Go to the next level for those people where it's not working. Instead of it's it's not a, I don't know. Maybe I'm being silly because I'm trying to think of other industries that have been completely blown apart by digital. But it's one thing to buy music differently, where you don't need, you don't really need support. It's it, we're talking about lifestyle change, right? And that's different than buying music or buying a book or other industries where digital really has turned things on its ear. Right. I don't know. And, and there certainly are people who could download my fitness pal and, and turn their own lives around, you know, by mm-hmm. taking by, by having a tool like that that helps them get organized, helps them get some, you know, encouragement from from their network. Um, I don't I don't think that that's going to be, you know, the majority of people who want to lose weight or get fit. You know, right. I think I think that's going to be the minority who can take it into their own hands and find the motivation and really do it. So we'll see. All right. One last deal. We want to talk about some of our favorite apps. Let's, um, we'll start with you, Robert, because Adam and I kind of flushed you out on that last one. Um, <laughs> yeah, the one I mentioned was Map My Run. You know, and oh, I think yeah, yeah. for me, that's what's great about that is it's GPS based using your phone. So again, you know, I think of a lot, you know, a couple of years ago, Garmin and all these GPS devices and watches were, were huge and they're pretty expensive. I mean, I think I bought yeah. one a couple of years ago. It was mm-hmm. like over a hundred bucks, but you could, you know, track your, your run based on where you are and the time. And now it's, you know, you're, you're carrying around your phone anyway. And I use run with my phone for music. It's so now map, map my run. You basically start it when you start running. You can stop it when you if you stop to cross the street or take a break, and it basically plots where you are. So it gives you how far you've gone. Um, it gives you your time, so you know your your pace, and it also can track how you know how many calories you're burning based on some you know kind of basic basic information. So it is eliminated for me the need for another device. In this case, a watch. Um, when I've already got my phone on an armband that I'm running with anyway with headphones. Um, so it's slick. It's it's easy to use. It's got a good interface. Um, it's just added, you know, little convenience. Nice. Yeah. There. Adam. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if these are necessarily my favorite apps, but they're probably they're my just most one. They're my most. Oh, I only get to do one. You only get to do one. <sighs> All right. Well, then I'm actually gonna say <laughs> I'm actually gonna use the Dig app because I probably use it. I, I read. I consume Dig a lot on my phone um, for interesting content. 
And um, much like the website, the app is very simple and very clean. Uh, and, you know, the app also takes you through to the websites and stuff. So it's a little, you know, the experience of using the app is kind of the experience also of using, uh, you know, many, many websites. But uh, the fact that they also combined uh, an RSS reader with both their on their web uh, site mm-hmm. and their app is awesome because I was a very avid user of Google Reader before they decided to kill that product um, and I needed another place to go. Uh, there are a lot of uh, apps out there that try to compete in this space or services that have kind of prop- popped up, um, and I've tried a number of them. And the simplicity of their RSS reader I really like. Um, it's very Google New- uh, Google Reader-like, um, even cleaner than Google Reader, to be honest. Um, so that is another thing that's really kept me coming back because I've, I'm kind of an RSS addict. I check it multiple times a day just to see if there's interesting new content. Um, I actually got to a point where I stopped having a pinned tab in Google Chrome with my RSS reader because I just, you know, it was too much of a distraction to want to go over there and check it out. Like almost, you know, it's on, funny on that I, I don't use RSS anymore since Safari dropped it. Safari dropped it and quit. Yeah, I just don't. I thought maybe I would quit using kind of get a fall off it when Google Reader said they're going right. to close the doors. I'm like, well, you know, I'm trying to have that be less of a distraction anyway. Um, but only a couple of days of going without it. I was like, ah, it's just too convenient to, to be able to just go to one place and have content from almost everywhere in a very simple, easily quickly scannable format just delivered to me. But you know why I don't miss it? Because just what you said, it was, it was actually made me feel guilty. I would have this stuff pulled in. I'm like, Oh, I should really check that. I've <laughs> said that that's important for me. And, and then it would pile up and it yep. would just be like this, Stress. This, it would. It would be stressed yeah. like I had to go do it. And now I just I'm just like naively, blissfully ignorant of whatever I'm missing. <laughs> which is probably not good from an education standpoint, but I'm I'm less stressed. All right. What we'll, we'll do one more. Um my favorite, I don't know if it's fair to to call this out because I I don't know, maybe TripIt is my favorite app. And the reason I say it may not be fair is because I think it's the the service or the tool itself, not how they I mean the app is I don't know, man, that's one and the same, right? So if you're not familiar with TripIt, basically whenever you travel and you make reservations, airline, hotel, car, whatever, you typically do it online, at least I do. I can't bear doing it on the phone. And you typically get confirmation emails. And with TripIt, all you have to do is email the confirmation of anything to TripIt. You don't have to say what it's for, and it automatically builds trip itineraries in the app. So it knows like, okay, send my, I'm going to Chicago at the end of, of September for Shushmid. I'll send my airline there. It'll say, oh, you've got a new trip to Chicago. If I send my hotel there, it'll just tack it on there. You know, rental car, tack it on there. And I don't have to do anything. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to tell it what trip. It just knows based on the date. And when I go to trip it, there's everything lined up. Like when you check in, when you check out your reservation, your mm-hmm. confirmation numbers, it's all in there. And so it's phenomenal. You can just like shoot it off as soon as you do it and forget about it. And then when the trip comes, there's all your information. You don't have to go gather it. You don't have to print it out. You don't have to like, you know, keep it as a PDF somewhere or whatever. Uh, I travel so much that it's, it's a necessity. Is that, is that the one where when you book a flight, it's, prompted like on your delta app to add it to that service i've never seen any third parties allow you to add it i've like i use delta for everything and that you can add it to your calendar from delta um 
Does but Delta does Delta integrate with like Apple's native Passbook app? Passbook, yeah. That's, oh, that's new. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Apple's yep. got its own app where it allows you to dump all your tickets for everything, and it, and it but it right. requires integration or support by right. the party who's creating it. So Delta had to would have to build yeah. that in. So yeah. TripIt's figured out that somehow it reads the information that comes through on an email, and it imports the information. I don't know how it does that, but it does it. So phenomenal tool. All right, we better go. I don't know how long that is, but that's... <laughs> yeah, we're about 35 minutes. That's okay. All right, well, we have other apps. We can save those for other shows. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for joining us in this um, renewed, refreshed, <laughs> non-staticky episode 204 for <laughs> Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Ambassadors. This is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Robert Prevo. Talk to you next time. <laughs>